Alright, so we're kicking it off, guys. Here is week one of Grow, Go, Repeat. And this, again, is it's a four-week teaching series on making disciples. So just to start off, I started, you know, kind of chit-chatting a little bit with you about some of the information here. But what we're going to do, just some of the kind of uh, housekeeping type stuff, I guess you'd say. Each week, I'm going to send you out an email with notes. Ideally, print out those notes, have a pen, maybe some extra paper handy so you can start writing things down, okay? As if you have thoughts or questions or if you feel like God is just whispering to you something special, be ready to write it down, okay? Um, also, difficulty with sound? Huh, have you turned up the volume? Underneath this, uh, underneath this video, you should see an option to turn up the volume on your own, but they probably can't hear me saying this if they're having a problem with volume. Can you type that to them that they should have a volume option, obviously on their computer or their phone, but also underneath the video, often on YouTube, you have to turn up the volume of the YouTube video setting. See if that works for them. And if it doesn't, just interrupt me again. We can see if we can fix that. But that's what, can, can if you guys could let me know, can some of you hear? Are some of them being okay? Can every, or is it no one can hear it? Let me know, guys. If you're able to hear this, type it and tell Krista you can hear this. Because it'd be a bummer if you just saw me sitting here and moving my head for 45 minutes or however long this will be. Is anybody hearing it? Sounds faint. Being loud or not. Sounds faint? Yeah. All right, let me try to talk a little bit louder. How about that? So you guys tell me if, if I speak louder and I move a little closer to the camera, if that's better, okay? So um, I have a quiet voice. My husband always tells me. No one can hear you. So I'll try to talk a little bit louder. Anyway, so like I said, you're going to get notes to print out each week. You can um, get a recorded version of this. And um, that's really all there is to this, okay? It's not a lot of detail on how, how to join us. It's pretty simple. We try to make this real easy to join. Chat in. Send us your questions. Let us know, you know, what we need to clarify for you and all of that. All right? So before we get digging in here, guys, I, of course, want to start with a prayer, okay? So just Heavenly Father, um, my hope and my prayer, God, is that you will work out any technical issues, God, because I am so passionate about this, and I know that passion comes from you, and God, help me to only say what it is that you want me to say. God, I want to be your ambassador. I want to be, um, I want to be speaking your truth. So just please help me with that, and God, give everybody just the ears to hear. I believe at times you have a slightly different message that you want people to really focus in on. So, God, speak to them clearly so that they can hear what you want to say to them and that they can feel uh, moved and encouraged by this session. Just love you so much and thank you for all that you have done. It's in Jesus' name we pray. All right, guys, so I just want to start off by telling you why... I'm doing this. Why I am leading a session on making disciples. And there were so many things that happened in the last few months. It was just like one after the other. It was crazy. So a while back, I think this was probably January, February, I was in um, church. And up on the screen came a verse. And it's a verse from Matthew 9, and it's verse 37. And it says, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. And when that came up on the screen, and if you were part of my Reignite study, you maybe have heard me say this before, but it was as though God was trying to grab my face and just say, hear this, focus, listen. And so I sat there and I stared at it. I was like, God, why are you trying to get my attention? What is it with this verse? And for the most part, he said, 
That's what faithful work is. I want it to be about. I want you to help them to get physically strong to go out into the fields, but more so I want you to build them up spiritually. Encourage them to get out into the fields because the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. So that happened. Then I went to a conference called the If Gathering. And the If Gathering this year was all about discipleship. It was just really encouraging people to reach out to one or two people. And it was showing if we all reached out to one or two people, how that would play out in years to come. Then there was the story of my mom, who my mom, um, you know, we didn't have faith growing up. Um, in fact, she didn't really go to church until she was probably about 75 years old. And when she first started going to church, you know, she was in the South. She had just moved there. And she just kind of went to the church because it was like what people in the South did. And she went in there and everybody kind of assumed she knew the real gospel message already. But she didn't. And thankfully, some people came alongside of her. And the fun was my mom and I got to have some great conversations. And when she was 85 years old on Easter which was also her birthday, my husband and I baptized her in the ocean. It was such a powerful moment for me to see, don't give up on people. No matter how old they are, keep reaching out, keep pouring into the, the truth into them, keep discipling them. So that's another part of my story. Then I was, uh, my husband and I were fortunate enough to go to Spain. He has been working for a ministry for about 12 years, and he took a month off. And that month for him was truly a sabbatical. It was all about digging into God's Word, reading his past journals, trying to figure out, God, am I doing what you're doing? And when you're going to Spain with someone and that's what they're doing, you kind of do it too. So I was like, I wasn't planning a sabbatical, but God, I'll, I'll dive in here and really figure out, God, what is it you have for me specifically? And both my husband and I after spending some time in Spain, came to this place after we were really trying to tune into God, tune into his word, it's discipleship. It is a lost art. We are called to disciple. And so we both, while we were still in Spain, started listening to some, um, some sermons on discipleship. We started talking. What could this look like in our life? How has God uniquely gifted us to help people when it comes to making disciples? And so uh, the, there's a, a verse, Matthew 28, 18, and, and Jesus says here, All authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples, baptize them, and teach them to obey all that I have commanded, and I will be with you. Okay, so that's, that's the gist of that verse, Matthew 28, 18 through 20, I think it is. Those guys, okay, so here's what I want you to think about. If, if you know you're giving your, your kind of your last words to your closest people, people are gathered around you, and you have one last opportunity face-to-face -to, -face to speak to these people, wouldn't those last words matter? Wouldn't you be like super like, I want these to, to really get to the heart of what my life's been about? So these are Jesus' last words. And I tell you, I had the opportunity to be around my father-in-law, who I loved dearly, and I heard him uttering some of his last words. And here's what he said. He said to a room full of people he loved, he said, your million-dollar homes and your fancy cars don't matter. What matters is securing your place in the kingdom of God 
and family and friends. Those were his last words, and I will never, ever forget them. And the cool thing was, he had been in and out of kind of consciousness, but when he spoke these last words, they were powerful. His voice boomed. So Jesus' last words, when I think about it, they kind of lined up with what Joe said, right? What matters? Securing your place in the kingdom of God. So kind of loving God and being true to, you know, drawing closer to him and family and friends. In fact, Jeff had another close friend, Greg Murtha, who is now in heaven. But one time when he almost died, he called Jeff right afterwards and with a really, really weak voice said, Jeff, thought I was taking my last breath. And here's what it comes down to. The only things that mattered were Jesus and relationships. Those are two people who I just trust and love, and those are their last words, and how they line up with one, the, the, the greatest commandment God gives us, right? Love God, love others. Okay, we're hearing this consistency, right? Love God, love others. And to me, really, the Great Commission, or those verses in Matthew 28, are really us living out love God, love people. Because if you love God and you want to obey his commands, he commands us to go and make disciples. And here's the other thing, guys. If you love people, like really, really love people, the greatest thing you can go do for them is to walk alongside them and help them on their journey in their faith, to help them to grow closer to God. So those last words of Jesus are super critical. And also, I love that he starts out with, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. I mean, those are some powerful words to say, right? And there's two scriptures that really back that up. I mean, it's all over the place in the Bible. I mean, God, Jesus, they have the authority to tell us what to do. In fact, Matthew eleven twenty seven, 27, it says, all things, Jesus says, all things have been handed over to me by my Father, all things. John 3.35, the Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. So Jesus, he has the authority to tell us what to do, okay? God has the authority to tell us what to do. He created us, and these are his last words. So we cannot ignore them. We have to think about it. What does this mean, this go and make disciples and baptize them, teach them? And I thought what I would do, guys, is to first start off Let's just talk about what it is a disciple. What is a disciple? Before we dig in deeper, and we will be digging in deeper into what it means to go and make disciples, I'm going to be sharing some super practical advice with you. The how, the what, the where, the who, all that kind of stuff is coming. But for right now, let's just talk about what is a disciple. All right? And it's interesting because I've been digging into this and I've been reading tons of stuff. But I said to my husband this morning, how would you define a disciple? What is a disciple? And his answer, I was like, that's it. That's it. That's what I'm going to say. And here's what it is. Someone whose ultimate goal is to think, live, and love like Jesus. Someone whose ultimate goal is to think, live, and love like Jesus. Now, guys, when you hear that, you might think, well, then I'm not a disciple because I'm not a... We are a work in progress. We are not expected to do this 
perfectly. In fact, not too long ago, I was, I was driving my car, and I was listening to this song. It was called Live Like That by the Sidewalk Prophets. If anybody's ever heard of it, great song. And I was so in the zone. I was like, yeah, I want to live like that. I want to love like you're, you know, you're real, God. I want people to see you when they see me. And a guy cut me off, and I'm like, you idiot, literally. And I'm like, oh, wait, I was supposed to live like him. And that's not how Jesus would have. So we make mistakes. You know what? And I find that true change starts in our hearts. So that's why it, it has to be your ultimate desire. Not that you're living it perfectly, but it has to be your ultimate desire to live, think, and love like Jesus. And you know what I love? There's this verse in 1 John, and I think it is, let's see, 1 John 1.18. Here's what it says. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. Okay, so I just love that, you know, right there, John has kind of set us free. And it's okay that we're going to mess up and we're going to make mistakes and all of that. Because he says we're going to sin. But it has to be our ultimate desire to, to turn from that sin, to live more like him, even in our messed up ways of doing that, okay? This process of becoming more like Jesus, to becoming his true disciple, the process is called sanctification. Maybe you've heard that word before. It's a big word. I was looking into what does sanctification mean? And the Greek word for it is, I'll probably mess this up, but hagiomos, hagiomos? It's the Greek word, and that Greek word means holiness. Now hear me on this. God is the only one who is truly holy. And we are working towards this. So it's a process of us moving towards holiness. We will never be holy, really, until we get to heaven. So again, that word sanctification, it's a process. Another way it was described is the state of proper functioning. Or it's doing what you were designed to do. A pen that is sanctified is used, being used for us to write it. Eyeglasses are for us to see, and we were created to be used for God's glory. That is really why we were created. So our process of going there to getting more and more to be that person is sanctification. And there's a verse, and it is, I believe, Philippians 3.12. Don't, don't hold me to it, but it's for the most part what it says in there is, I want to be all who Christ Jesus saved me to be. To me, that is a verse that grabbed hold of my heart so big because that is truly my desire, to be who Christ Jesus saved me for. Who did God create me to be? But I know that it's a process, guys, for me, and it's a process for you. So just know that if you're not living this all out perfectly, it's okay. If he expected us to do this perfectly, he wouldn't have had to send Jesus, right? All right, so just wanted to kind of go through a little bit about that process and what it means to be a disciple. Um, I'll take a, a quick break here. Jeff, any questions coming in? Anything I need to know about? Guys? We've switched now. Krista is now, Jeff is sitting there. So she was there and now Jeff is. So you can type in some questions to Jeff. Nothing, nothing yet that I can see. Okay, let me know, guys, if you have some questions. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to talk about two scriptures. They're kind of scriptures that probably like to skim over. They're not the scriptures that we turn to when we're first telling someone about Jesus, but you know what? They're in the Bible, so we can't ignore them, and I just want to bring them up right now when it comes to being a disciple, okay? This first one's Luke 14, and it's verses 25 and 26. Here's what it, here's what it says. 
large crowds were traveling with Jesus, and turning to them, he said, If anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Well, that sounds like a fun one to camp on, huh? You know, but here, let me just tell you, this is, what he's saying here, in other, because he says in another version, he says, if you don't love me more than. What he's really saying here has to do with Exodus 23, right? We have the Ten Commandments, and, and it says, you shall have no other gods before me. This is really what he's saying when we want to be a disciple. We shall have no other gods before, and this is really big, guys, okay? Because it is so easy for us to have idols or other gods in our lives. And it can really take us off course. Do you have any idols in your lives? Things that you turn to before God? We do, don't we? Things that we value more than him. I want, to, want you to hear Tim Keller's kind of definition here of an idol. He says, anything more fundamental than God to your happiness, meaning of life, or identity. So anything that's more fundamental than God to your meaning of hap your, your happiness, your meaning, your identity, anything you rest your heart in more than God or love more than God. Idols aren't necessarily bad things, but they are things you look to to give you what only God can give you. So if we want to be his disciple, we need to look at this. You need to pray about this. You need to start talking to him and asking for help. God, I have this, I turn to food. I turn to the approval of man. I turn to the love of my spouse or my children. I'm putting them ahead of you. Help me with that. Open your heart to like saying, God, what can I do to change in this area? Because if you're going to walk out and some of the things that I'm going to be talking about for the next couple weeks, you need to first look at this. We need to dig deeper here, guys. And we're going to mess up. There's going to be times in our life when we do put things in front of God. But just keep praying. Just keep asking him to change me. Change me in this area. Because these things aren't bad. Of course, it's great to love your spouse and want them to love you. But it's just things that are get out of order. So, you know, it's number one is to love God. And we're going to be talking a lot more about loving God, God loving you, you loving yourself, loving others next week. But for right now, you just have to put him number one. Okay? Work on that, guys. Um... There's another verse that's pretty challenging when it comes to being a disciple. It's Matthew 16, verses 24 and 25. Then Jesus said to his disciples, Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. And back then, guys, the cross, like nowadays, we wear a cross or we see a cross, and it can kind of stir up this good feeling in our heart because we think about that's where Jesus went and he died and was resurrected. The cross is empty because he was resurrected. But back then, when he said to these guys, pick up your cross, they knew what he was saying. This is going to be tough. This is not easy. Picking up a cross is a hard way to go forward. And so I want you to know, being a disciple and then going and making disciples, it's not, it's not easy. But it's what we're commanded to do. 
And it's not easy because it's going to require something of you. This isn't about making disciples and baptizing and teaching them to obey all I've commanded. Is not only about saying to someone, hey, you should come to church, and then I'll love them. It, 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 that's a great step, but that's a, a, a very small part of it. Being a disciple maker means that you have to forfeit and, and get, get rid of some things in your life that you might not want to get rid of because you need to have time for this. It's going to take time. Making disciples, it, it means coming alongside of them. Look at what Jesus did, right? He did speak to the masses, and that's definitely can be part of what your kind of your reach and your ministry looks like. But he also dug deep with a few. He spent lots of time with them. Now we can't go and live with 12 people. I get that. But you can go deep with people. You can be there on a consistent basis. I right now when I was asked to um, by a good friend of mine, Julie to disciple or mentor her. And I was thrilled when she asked me. She's a pastor's wife, and as you know, we've probably heard her, maybe you know, you know, it's tough to be a pastor or a pastor's wife. And so she and I have committed to kind of go through life together. And life gets busy and we're, you know, it's hard to get the time to get together, but we do. We we go through scripture, I ask questions, we go deeper, we're reading a book different things like that. It's more than just bumping into them. It's, it's proactively. It's not just reacting to kind of who you happen to see or in the moment. It's proactively getting into someone's life. And that can get messy. It can get hard and it can get time consuming. So that's why he says, you got to pick up your cross. And here's the deal. There is only one way that you're going to start to live more like Jesus. You're going to start to be able to disciple people. And here's where it comes from Colossians 3.2. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. Okay? Set your mind on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. We have to be eternal focused. Okay? Hold on. Do you have a question? Yeah, we got a question that, okay. that relates back to that. And it was... As, as women, we're told to take care of our families and our husbands and children first. How do we um, make God number one? All right, such a great question. Yeah. I'm glad you stopped me for this one. Yeah. So somebody um, just asked us, asked me, you know, God does say to make our family number one and, and to dig deep with them and to disciple them. And it's absolutely true, okay? But here's the deal, guys, and I, I'm telling you this. Please, please, please hear me. The best way that you can feed into your family is for them to see you also pouring into others, inviting them with you to even go serve. Yes, you, you never want them to feel like you don't have time for them, but life is not just about that, right? I mean, there's been times when I've had to miss things with my kids or because I was, I was able to go out and serve and love somebody else. And the thing that's so cool, when, you, when you're trying to go disciple and your kids are like, what about me? Take it as a learning and a teaching opportunity to say, hey guys, you know, in the Bible, you know, this is what Jesus asks. He asks us to go and to love others. Yes, I love you. You are so important to me, but I want you to know that, that my love goes to you and to others. Get them with you. My son and my husband and I, we went down, and I'm not telling them, like, oh, look at us, we go serve the homeless all the time, but we did. We went and we served tacos to the homeless together. 
So powerful. We went on mission trips, but it's them. Invite them to join in with you as you go, and you and you also minister to others. But let them know this is required of them as as um, believers and disciples too. Who do you have in your life? Do you you know? Of course, the kids have to be a little older. But who is in your life right now that God's asking you to come alongside and be there with? So thanks for stopping me on that question because that is a good one. And again, the only way that we can do this, guys, is to set our minds on heaven. If you want to really live, if you want to be alive, always live in view of eternity. C.S. Lewis says, aim at heaven and you'll get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you'll get neither. Okay, eternally focused. And here's what I want you to do. I want you to picture a road that is a million miles long that just goes on and on and on. And then there's this dot on that road. That dot, that's our life here on earth. This is not what it's about. This is a temporary home. We are only here for a short time before we go up into heaven. And that's where we spend eternity. How is it then and why? It's so easy to get sucked into this, guys, to be putting all of our attention and all of our focus on this little tiny dot. But my hope is if one thing comes from these, these sessions is that you start to keep your eyes on heaven more, I'm calling it a win. Because that's what's got to start. You have to start living with your eyes up. I remember there was a time when I was kind of going through some struggles and just feeling like, God, what am I doing here? Like, this is tough. I got in my car and a song came on. I literally went into like this family Christian store. A song came on. Everyone went, it was like this song. And here's what the song was called. It's called um, Where I Belong. Not Where I Belong. No, where I belong. Where I belong by Building 429. I want you to listen to that song. But here's the main lyrics of the song. It says, All I know is I'm not home yet. This is not where I belong. Take this world and give me Jesus. This is not where I belong. And I was, in fact, when I was preparing this, this little talk here, I stopped and I put that song on and the tears started coming because I was like, just give me Jesus. That's, that's what I want, God. I don't want to be messed up anymore and trying to get sucked into the world. I want to live for you. But it's not easy, guys. Take a listen to that song. Ask God to help you to realize this isn't where I belong. I belong, you know, in heaven. But you've got me here for a reason. And my reason here is to disciple others and to give you glory. Help me to live this way. There is one other scripture, guys, here. And it's um, Philippians 3.20. It says... For our citizenship is in heaven. Okay, isn't that just a beautiful thing? This is not where we belong. Our citizenship is in heaven. I want you to know that while you're, you're here, and I'm telling you why you're going through this four-week teaching series, you are going to be pulled away. Because I, I guarantee you, the very last thing that Satan wants is for you to be like your heart set on fire and that you're ready to go and make disciples. That is the last thing he wants. He's okay if you're just a quiet Christian who's not going to share with anybody and you're kind of living with this lukewarm, mediocre faith. He's like, you're good. I don't have to worry about you. But when you start to be like, no, I'm going to live differently. I'm tired of being mediocre and I want to go out and I want to live and share this amazing, amazing love that God has for me. He's going to come at you. And he's going to make you come up with every excuse to not listen to these sessions and not to live this way. 
You've got to be prepared. And the way to fight back is to fill yourself up with the, the truth of God. John 10, 10, for the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come to give you life and life to the fullest. Hold on to that. Satan is like a prowling lion just looking for someone to pounce on. you got to be, you got to be in tune to this. Don't be fearful. God is more powerful, right? He who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. So you can fight back with power. But don't, don't succumb to these lies. Because I bet already you're starting to think of some lies, aren't you? Things like, hold on, I can't be a disciple maker because I don't know the Bible well enough. Have you thought that yet? How do you think I feel? Okay, God's asking me to teach a class on making disciples. I could sure have come up with a ton of excuses to say, oh, that's not for me. Who am I to go teach it? But you know what? Why not you? Why not me, right? If not you, then who? If not now, then when? All right, so now is our time, and you are the one. And I want to read you some quotes from a great book, and I, I would recommend you guys looking into this book. It's by Francis Chan. And it's called Multiply. And there's a, I'll be quoting it often, but here is one quote, because I think this is going to really hit home for a lot of us. If you wait until all of your own issues are gone before helping others, it will never happen. This is the trap that millions have fallen into, not realizing that our own sanctification happens as we minister to others. Listen. Our sanctification, remember that word I was using earlier, sanctification, us becoming more and more holy, we become more and more like Jesus, that process, it happens as we minister to others. It doesn't happen and we've completed it and we're there and then we go minister to others. This is part of the process, guys. So if you think, no, not yet, I've got to clear up this issue, not now, I can't go minister. My husband was saying this morning, you know what, sometimes wounded people have the best testimony, they have the best rapport, they have the best story, they have the, kind of this way of ministering to people in such a deep, real way. I mean, who wants to hear from someone who's like, this is perfect, like, oh yeah, I've got it all figured out, you're not there, so, but I'll try to help you get to my level. It's not what we're looking for. We all have issues. Another lie that we have really been told, and I, when I say this, guys, hear me, I love church. I, mean, I, I think I've been to five different churches in the last six months. I love church. I could go like up all the time. There's something so powerful for me about listening to sermons and all of that. So I love church. But I do think the church is missing it when it comes to really teaching, encouraging, inspiring us to go and make disciples. I want to, one more time, quote um, Francis Chan here. Here's what it says. We reduce discipleship to a can program. And so many in the church end up sidelined in a spectator mentality that delegates disciple-making to pastors and professionals, ministers and missionaries. We have moved so far away from Jesus' command that many Christians don't have a frame of reference for what disciple-making looks like. But this is not how it's supposed to be. It's not. It's not how it's supposed to be. But we just feel like, you know what, well, we're not good enough, we're not equipped enough. I'll invite some to church, I'll put that in the hands of the professionals. Okay, that's not the case. You are God's plan A. This is his plan A. This wasn't like, well, that's not working, so let me see if I can stir up some inspiration in people to go. This has been his plan from the beginning of time. To reach all the corners of the world, it's through you and me. It's through us going. 
And I want you to know that the impact is huge here. Like right now, I'm hoping that you're starting to get fired up. You're like, you know, all right, keep, to get done talking because I've got to start making disciples here. That, that you're starting to get this stirred up because this is what's going to change the world. You know, we harbor on, you know, politicians and different things, but we want to change the world. It's discipling. Us doing life with others, discipling them. It is going to make a huge impact. It should just really get to your heart if you know people who don't know Jesus. We had a couple coming over for dinner not too long ago, and this is just one of the many things that I love about my husband. Here's what he said with such passion. He said, I can't stomach the thought that they've decided to not believe in Jesus because they don't know the true story. He knew that I want to tell them the true gospel message. I want them to hear it. And if they say, no, I can't, what can I do? I can pray for them, but I'm, I want them to know the true message. That should be stirring up in you because I believe that most people who are atheists or believe in different faiths haven't heard the real gospel message. You maybe know my story. I never heard it. I was 40 years old, and no one had really invited me to church. No one had ever told me the true story of Jesus. It was only God who literally came to me and said, hey, come here. We're going to church, and we're doing life together. And just some crazy things started to happen. But no one had reached out to me. And I'll tell you something that makes me so passionate about this, and I'll try not to cry on this story. But um, my dad died when I was three. He was 36. And for all that I know, he didn't have faith. I've asked my mom, and she says, you know, we never talked about it. God, heaven, Jesus, church, none of that was really part of our lives. You know, I know that God can reach people in their last breath, but for all I know, I don't know if I'll see my dad in heaven. I didn't know him here on earth, and I can't look forward to heaven to see him. But you know what? If someone had gotten off their little tush and been passionate and gone out and discipled and come alongside of him, that story could be different. But I'll tell you the truth, that story is such a motivator for me. I couldn't let it bring me down and almost like not want to believe in this message of, you know, you need to know Jesus to get to heaven. But I don't, I take it and I'm like, you know what? We don't know when people are going to die. He was 36. He had um, some scar, some issues from rheumatic fever, but for the most part, the hospital messed up. And you know what? The people in your life who you love who need to either come further along in their relationship with God or maybe not, you don't know if they have 10 more years, 20 more years, or 10 more days. So why wait? Why not go now? Let's start making some disciples who then reach out to others and make disciples. That's why we're calling it Grow, Go, Repeat. We want this process to be so inspiring, so motivating that people are just going and going and going, and the whole world starting to look different. So we are God's plan A, and the implications of us not doing it are huge. When I'm saying all this, guys, I want you to have peace. I want you to have peace because here's the deal. The results are not in your hands. We can't make anyone believe, right? That is the work of God and the Holy Spirit, but he wants to use us to go and, and tell people. But when you go to someone, and I believe me, I've had so many people that I've shared the truth of the gospel message and they're still telling me they're Buddhist or atheist or whatever. But you know what? I can't, I, I can't let that take me down. I am called to, here's the one thing we're called to be, obedient. If God's whispering in your ear a person's name right now, be obedient and reach out to that person. 
But what happens after we're obedient, it's in his hands. It's freedom, guys, to live this way. You go and you do, and then you just go, okay, God, that was the best I had, and I'm leaving the rest up to you. So I want to um, just kind of review like a couple things here, guys. So I've been talking about what it means to be a disciple. I've shared with you some pretty tough verses on what that looks like, right, about picking up your cross and, you know, making sure he's number one. But here's something so beautiful. After Jesus says about picking up your cross, die to yourself if you want to live, he goes on in Matthew 16 and verse 27, and here's what he says. For the Son of Man is going to come in his Father's glory with, the, with his angels, and then he will reward each person according to what they have done. There's a reward, guys. Now, we, of course, cannot go out and start trying to love and minister to people and disciple people just so we'll get our reward in heaven. That's not what it's about. But you have to know that, I mean, this isn't the only place in the Bible where Jesus talks about these rewards in heaven. In a way, I wish they weren't there because I don't want to make my reasons, my motivations about my rewards in heavens, but that's the way he's done it. You know what? We will. He's, he's, someday you will stand before him. And the, to me, the best reward you can possibly get is that day when you stand before him and he just says, look. And he says, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that is a huge reward. But he's got heaven in such a way that there's your three rewards. So your faithfulness here, the things that you're getting up here on earth, you will be rewarded up in heaven. Faithfulness will be rewarded. Also, guys, this is what my husband and I talk about a lot. So often for people, joy, peace, meaning, purpose, they just seem just a little out of reach. Like, I know the Bible says I should have joy always, but I can't quite get there. And I believe that if you start trying to live more like Jesus and you start doing the things he commands, like going and making disciples, you're going to reach it. Your life is going to have more joy more peace and purpose and meaning. Every day you wake up has more purpose and meaning when you are trying to live like this and disciple others. I love what John, I mean, if you think about John the Apostle who's stranded out on this island and it's his last days are kind of coming to an end, his, day, his life's coming to an end, and he says in 1 John 1, 4, I mean, he's, he starts off, first of all, by saying, you know, I saw Jesus, I was with Jesus, and I want you to know this thing, everything I'm sharing with you here is the real deal. And he says then in verse 4, and we are writing these things so that our joy may be complete. John is saying, I'm writing this so that my joy will be complete because it's in sharing this good news that our joy is complete. Hear me, you were created for this. All right, I'm going to almost finish up here, but I want to see, Jeff, what's going on? Any questions, anything? Any? Just good comments back and forth, so that's All a right. specific question. Okay, all right, cool. I'm, I'm just going to um, finish up oh. here. Oh, wait. Uh, Nancy asked, will you be able to give us examples um, You know what, what, what to say to people? Nancy, that's a great question, yeah. So she asked, will you be giving us examples? Absolutely. I'm telling you, stick with this because I needed to set this groundwork, guys, because the things that we're going to be talking about down the road, it's going to be some challenging stuff, but I needed you to see what does a disciple look like, 
What does what does the Bible tell us about being a disciple? And I want to get you fired up for this as well. So I'm going to give you extremely practical tools, especially in weeks three and four, how you can figure out who to go to. I mean, all sorts of things. So stick with this. Yes, good question. Thanks, Nancy. Um, okay, so to kind of just summarize a lot of this, guys, God sent Jesus to earth for lots of reasons. He says that Jesus is the visible image of an invisible God. So to, to know God better, you look at Jesus. He is the visible image of God. And one thing that God wants us to know is to know him more. Because the more that we know God, the more that we can trust him. And the more that we trust him, the more that we'll have peace. And the more that we trust him, the more we are willing to go and do what he commands us to do. So Jesus is who we look to to get that feeling of who God really is. But God also sent Jesus to save us, right? I mean, that's really, that's the real good news right there. I mean, whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Beautiful news. He, he came to set us free. Galatians 5.1, it's for freedom that Christ came to set us free. If you're feeling chained, maybe it's one of those idols that you're talking about. If you're feeling chained to that, if you're feeling like the weight of this idol is weighing you down. Jesus came to set you free. But he also came to show you how to live. That's a huge thing, guys. Great verse, 1 John 2, 6. It says, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. That's, again, our goal, living as Jesus did. And, you know, I'm one of those people who loves that WWJD, what would Jesus do? I really do. I try to think about that sometimes. But, in fact, you know what? If you want to know what would Jesus do, you got to look and see what did Jesus, what he did, right? Well, let's just check out what he did. And I tell you, next week, we're going to be digging deeper into that because that very first word of the grow, go, repeat, grow is really about us as, as disciples. If we, before we can go out and really disciple others, there's a process in our heart that we need to grow in our faith. And it's a continual process. It's nothing that you'll ever be like, done, grow, you know, done. It's always, we're always growing in our faith. But we're going to, and my husband's going to join me next time and do some of the teaching with me. We're going to be sharing with you some really practical ways to grow in your faith specific to making disciples. I mean, in all ways, but really we're going to show you a little bit more specifically how we need to grow, what we can do, so that we are better equipped to go and make disciples. All right, so that's going to be next week. Um, yeah. We do have a question. Okay, we got a question. Good. So it goes back to Galatians 5.1. Uh, can you explain more what being set free means? Like, what do you mean by that? All right, so the question is, I mentioned Galatians 5.1, and someone's asking, what does it mean that he came to set us free? And here's what it means, guys. When you live the way Jesus says, to live with your eyes on heaven, to live with your, your heart and your focus on God, you're free from what the, all the things that the world's telling you. The world's telling you, right, you're not good enough. The world's telling you you have to seek their approval, you have to live for them. Some people tell me, you know what, Michelle, you talk about Jesus too much. Some say not enough, you work out too much. Now, there's all these different inputs. But I can say, you know what, Thanks for those thoughts, but I'm living for one. I'm, I'm living for what God says. It's such freedom. I am not trying to prove anything to anybody anymore. Because here's the one thing about trying to lift people. You'll fail. 
You will, because everybody's got a different thought of how you can live. So there is such freedom, because people say, what do you mean freedom? He's got all these commandments. No, it's the most free way to live, because I don't have all this other noise that I have to listen to. I listen to the one, and anything that he tells me to do is for one reason. It's out of love. It's out of love for me. It's not the case with the rest of the world, right? So I find that I can live with this unbelievable freedom because I can be set free from the world and all that they're saying and how I should live. Let me know if that doesn't answer your question. If you want to email me, we can talk about it more. But that's, that's to me, freedom, being, being free from all those other things that are holding us back. No, she said that was good. That's right good? Okay, thanks. Um, so a couple, one thing, guys, I want to do now, I want you to write this down if you do have your notes here. Um, two things that I want you to do before we meet again, okay? One, there's a song called Set a Fire, and it's by Will Reagan. I want you to listen to it throughout the week. Listen to it, close your eyes, listen to it again, let it come in, because what that song talks about is what I really hope is going on in your heart right now. Okay, I'm not going to tell you anymore. Got to listen to it. The second thing, here's some questions that I want you to try to think about. What Christian was the most helpful to you in your spiritual journey, and what specifically did they do that was helpful? So think about the person in your life who's, who's really just been, what you can say would be the Christian who really poured in in a very, very positive way. What specifically did they do? And then on the other side, was there someone who is a, a Christian or would say that they were a Christian, that they came into your life and it had a negative effect. And what did they do? What did they do? Because learning from others, how they've interacted with us, is a great way for us to learn on how we can interact with others. I had a, a really cool call come in from a friend of mine named Eileen. And she said to me, Michelle, um, she's come, uh, it's so cool just to see, first of all, in the last 10 years, how her faith is coming around. And she called me the other day and she said, you know, Michelle, you've been there for the last 10 years. You're there. You've never made me feel bad that I didn't have that faith. And you encouraged me. Guys, I'm not saying this to go look at me. Believe me. <laughs> Others out there are like, ooh, not so much. But you know what? That should have felt awfully good to hear someone say, you loved me through it. And that's what this is all about. Okay, so listen to that song, answer those questions, and then I, I was, when I was really preparing, there was this prayer that God was just putting on my heart, and I just want to share this prayer with you. Here was my prayer. God, pour into me so I can pour into others. Fill me with your love so I can love others. Give me your eyes and ears so I can go be your hands and feet. And I say this to you, I'm sharing this prayer with you because I hope that's your prayer. One more time, God, pour into me so I can go pour into others. Fill me up with your love so I can go and love others. Give me your eyes and ears so I can go be your hands and feet. Okay? Anything else over there, Jeff? No, just um, they, they had a question about the second question. We're clear on that. Okay. Um, Everybody's good? Yeah. Yep. All right. Guys, thanks so much. And again, if you do want to share, when I send out the recording of this, if you want to share it with others, go for it. Anything that I have, share it with anybody else. And you know what? Start thinking. Start praying. Start asking God to change your heart. And just thank you so much for sitting through this with me. And I love you. And I am just so excited for what's going to come out of this. Thanks.